from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Ukrainian farmers on the front lines. Many farmers reduced areas on their winter crops. So we have about 40% decrease in areas. Fighting to keep food flowing to nations in need. When you don't feed people, when they can't find food, when they can't feed their family, um, that just breeds conflict. As fields burn and bombs fly around them. Farmers sacrifice their lives while doing their job. One year after Russia's invasion began, an update the impact the war is having around the world and here at home. Right now on Agri. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has now been going on for one year. At the start, many expected the country to fall within days. Instead, it's reported Ukraine's military has proven nimble and adaptive, in part thanks to support pouring in from nations including the U.S. and farmers, among those on the front lines of what was once considered the breadbasket of Europe now a dangerous land of uncertainty. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. This morning, we want to bring you the latest on the war and the impact it's having not just on agriculture production in Ukraine, but around the world. We begin with the fallout the war is having on ag across the globe and here at home. The war, a focal point of this year's USDA Ag Outlook Forum, with the invasion continuing to bring a level of uncertainty to ag markets and concern over the outcome of talks to keep the Black Sea grain deal that has allowed grain from Ukraine to keep exporting to the world market. Now, the situation in Ukraine is so key right now that the Ukrainian Minister of Agrarian Policy and Food was invited to speak at this year's forum, showing stark images of farm fields on fire or marked with bomb craters as farmers race to save what remains of their crops. Farmers sacrifice their lives while doing their job. This is the most painful loss. The cultivated areas have decreased by about 25%. These are the areas that farmers cannot cultivate as a result of the war. A considerable amount of our land is polluted with explosives. It's deadly to work in these areas. Now, it's one thing to hear from officials about what farmers are dealing with in Ukraine. It's another to hear from actual boots on the ground. Ag Day's Michelle Rook begins our team coverage, and Michelle, you talked with one farmer who has had to fight to keep his family safe while trying to keep people fed. Clinton, Ukraine agricultural production and grain exports came to a screeching halt with Russia's invasion of Ukraine on February 24th of 2022. A year after the invasion, many farmers are on the front lines fighting while still trying to run their operations. They're fighting for democracy, their country, and to reclaim their land and the agricultural production they've lost. Farming has been difficult in the middle of a war, but farmers have persevered, clearing mines from their fields just to plant. Farmers seeded a reduced area in the fall, planting crops to feed the people, such as potatoes, sunflowers, and winter wheat. That was true for Nick Gordachuku Farms near Kyiv. Many farmers reduced areas on their winter crops, so we have about 40% decrease in areas under winter wheat for the next season. And that's for two reasons. One was we're not sure about the functioning of corridor. And another reason is uh, also weather conditions. 
Now, USDA estimates that the conflict areas of Ukraine account for 46% of production and about 6.84 million hectares of winter grains were planted there versus 10.3 million in 2021. Spring planting intentions are also uncertain due to the ongoing fighting and the price and availability of inputs. Today, many farmers are looking to crops which are very easy to plant and which do not require much of um, fertilizers. So many farmers this season are focusing on soybeans, on sunflowers and rapeseed. And that's where, where I see will be increase in, in production rather than corn. Exports were also halted until the signing of the Black Sea Grain Initiative July 22nd. Even with the corridor, Ukraine grain exports are far below pre-invasion volumes. However, farmers still feel it's been effective. Now, Nick told me since August, they've exported 21 million metric tons of grain out of the corridor, so they hope for an extension. Critical negotiations on the export deal are coming up, and Ukraine is asking for a one-year extension, plus an additional port to help with the inspections that have been slowed down in recent weeks. All right, thanks, Michelle. Farm Journal President Charlene Fink recently sat down for an exclusive interview with global philanthropist and Illinois farmer Howard Buffett. His namesake foundation has given millions of dollars to projects in the Ukraine to help farmers and the families still living there. Now, he's traveled to Ukraine five times this past year as he shares the impact of the war stretches way beyond the Ukrainian border. The images of war buried in the lives of its people. These are the photographs Howard G. Buffett took during five recent trips to Ukraine. I saw this um, hole in the wall. It's on the second floor of the school. The hole is made by a Russian missile that did not explode. The HGB Foundation has been working in the country since the war started, helping to feed people, financing food boxes, providing seeds for summer gardens, even buying replacement combines for those stolen or destroyed in the war. We were able to get 50 combines into Ukraine in about 30 days. The kind of fun part of the story is almost all of them were originally destined for Russia. The gift ultimately supporting the harvest of more than 70,000 acres last season. Ukrainian grain eventually sold and shipped to countries around the world, including some of the world's most food insecure populations. In 2022, the World Food Program calculated nearly 350 million people across 80 countries were acutely food insecure. The war in Ukraine is a significant contributor to the surge in hunger and conflict. There's more conflict in Africa today than there has been for 20 years. And some of that is outright conflict and some of that is, is smaller and regional. But when you don't feed people, <laughs> when they can't find food, when they can't feed their family, um, that just breeds conflict. A negotiated grain corridor has helped to send some of Ukraine's production abroad. As a U.S. farmer himself, Buffett says he doesn't consider that grain competition. Some farmers are always sitting at home thinking, well, they're a competitor. And that's natural, I get it. I mean, but you know, if you want to think that way, that means your neighbor's your competitor. And you don't, you don't treat your neighbor like you do. Or you treat your neighbor like they're your neighbor. It's not a head-to-head -head competition. And so I think helping Ukraine is helping the world. As he prepares to double his donation in 2023, 
expecting to spend upwards of $300 million in Ukraine on infrastructure, food, and equipment. He believes this is ultimately a war on agriculture. If farmers here understood what has happened to farmers in Ukraine, it just, it, it, it's just hard to fathom. All the landmines on all the agricultural areas, all the grain that's been stolen from Ukraine, the infrastructure, which is significant, that's been damaged, the 80-some thousand pieces of farm equipment that have been destroyed, and it's not stopping, and it won't stop until Russia stops. As the battle rages into its second year, and this is a mass gravesite of 451 bodies, its full impact is yet to be uncovered, both at home and abroad. We'll continue our conversation with Mr. Buffett this week as he shares the war's impact on Ukraine's people and his plan for new projects in 2023. Well, it seems we just finished with one major winter storm system and now another is on the way. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire is tracking it all for us. Andrew? Another week, another storm system. This one will go coast to coast again and will almost take almost a similar shape as our dominant low pressure system that we had last week. Uh, we're going to be watching again for pockets of heavy rain up across the Great Lakes. We're going to have to watch out for some severe weather across the Ohio River Valley. And on the north side, we'll be watching for heavy pockets of snow up across the upper portions of the Midwest. Let's walk you through the radar here on this Monday. Again, you can see that dominant system working its way through the Great Lakes, upper Midwest and Ohio River Valley regions. That'll work its way out Tuesday. And then we're watching the West Coast for a more active weather that will continue to set up here as the jet stream will continue to favor areas out West for more active weather. And we'll be eyeing Central and Southern California once again for more active weather as we head towards the middle portion of this upcoming week. And Scott Hammer of Lone Tree, South Dakota spent this weekend digging out from last week's storm. Scott saying his township road is under there somewhere in the prairie, he promises. I'll more in your Ag Day forecast in just a few. Pressure builds on commodity markets, pushing grains lower on Friday. Where are things headed this week? We'll talk about that next in analysis. And later, Machinery Pete talks buying strategies for used equipment based on a lifetime of experience. He says bucking the latest trends may be the best way to get a deal. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Steel Closing Wheels, perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Grains all extended their losses on Friday as the U.S. dollar climbed higher. Michelle Rook is back with a look at where the trade is looking this week in markets now. Well, a mostly lower day on Friday, and we were lower for the week as well. Arlen Suderman with Stonex Group is joining us. And Arlen, kind of the theme last week was really risk off with inflation talk, and it really hit, especially the grain trade with fund liquidation, didn't it? 
It, it really did. We kind of stepped aside from the fundamentals during the week. And, and the focus was, as you said, hotter than expected inflation data on Friday, suggesting that inflation has got more stickiness to it. It's not just in the commodities, but it's more well ingrained into the economy and some other economic data that came in hotter than expected as well, like new home sales hotter than expected. And, and there's a list of reports that came out to suggest that the Fed's going to have to get more aggressive again in tackling inflation and what fund managers worry about is that's going to drive us into a deeper recession and they translate that into less demand for commodities we can argue whether that's actually true with the food-based commodities but perception is reality when it comes to the markets and that's their perception that's what they traded on the positive side we had some lower production estimates out of argentina for corn and for soybeans showing the drought continuing to have an impact and a little bit more damage from a frost there as well that kind of kept soybeans from totally breaking down in the charts right. but it was an ugly week for corn and wheat uh, it was just a, a flush and the buyers just stepping aside and letting prices come to them. So does that also signal maybe more liquidation ahead for this upcoming week here that we're starting? When the funds get rolling with the momentum trading, they just keep going until something stops them. Yeah. And what could be that stops them? Uh, it could be a new headline that comes out that threatens supplies, maybe coming out of the Black Sea or something like that, or maybe something in, in Argentina actually catches their attention, whatever it may be, to stop their selling. And once that happens, then end users step in and make their purchases and things kind of turning around then. So, Arlen, what support areas are we going to be watching here technically this week, especially on corn where we were down into support? That 650 area is going to be a key to watch as we start this week, see if it can hold. If not, we can see the momentum trading algos push it lower. Uh, wheat is kind of uh, in a free fall right now. We need to see that selling end and see some buyers step in. But right now, the momentum's to the downside. Yeah, it was a tough week overall, though. Thanks so much for joining us, Arlen Suderman with Stonex Group. And we'll have more Ag Day coming up. Contact Arlen Suderman by email at arlen.suderman at intlfcstone.com. Ag Day is brought to you by Maristem Crop Performance. Learn how to get more bushels for less at maristemag.com. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joining us here taking a look at our national forecast. And as we talk about precipitation this week, I think overall we're trying to figure out all right, March, lamb or lion here, what do we expect? Yeah, we're only a few days away. March 1st happening on Wednesday, and a lot of folks wondering, is March going to come in like a lamb or come in like a lion? And across much of the country, it's looking more like the lamb type, but we are going to be watching kind of the four corners for some pretty active weather here as we head on into the first few days of March, and that's something that we'll keep our eyes on. And that's a look at precipitation for this week, but let's take a look at what the temperatures are going to look like as we head throughout the last two days of February and begin March here. And we're going to be looking at above average highs for the eastern coast. Meanwhile, well below average normal high temperatures as we head throughout the west coast here in the midsection of the country. Well, it's going to be a battle on where the jet stream sets up and where systems pass on through to determine if we get some below average or above average temperatures here throughout the first few days of this upcoming month. Let's walk you through the jet stream here on this Monday. We'll be watching the subtle trough moving through the central plains, Great Lakes and Ohio River Valley. That'll set the stage for an active start here to this week. Meanwhile, again, this deeper trough setting up out west. 
that will keep temperatures again below average off to our west. And then there is hope that once we get towards this upcoming weekend, Saturday into Sunday, that we get more of a zonal pattern here, a west to east pattern flow here. And that would mean for much of the country, we kind of go quiet by the time we get into the first full weekend here of March. Let's check out the precipitation trend for this upcoming week. And again, we're watching a few active systems and we're going to be keeping our eyes on the Great Lakes deep south as well as the western coast. Notice how we get some reds out there. That's an indication of two to four inch pockets of moisture that will likely fall again across the deep south as well as the far western coast. And this is something that again uh, we'll be kind of keeping our eyes on very closely here as we go throughout this week for heavier pockets of rain and even snow. Let's take a look at temperatures for this afternoon on this Monday 52 into Chicago 34 up into Bismarck 68 in Tulsa. Check out New Orleans, Jacksonville, Miami. Temperatures getting up into those middle 40s, 30s and 40s off to the west. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at your Ag Day select cities. Going over to Blanchard, Michigan, rain, ice and snow, high temperature just above freezing. Going over to Florida where we need to warm up 87 degrees with a low temperature 65. Going out west, rain and snow, high 43. All right, folks, let's talk the importance of timing in life. Now, certainly personal relationships, business, even the used tractor market. Now, the very first 2016 model Case H Magnum 250 I ever saw hit the auction market was back on August 7th of 2018, a sale by our good friends at Sullivan Auctioneers. And of course, this was pre-pandemic, so it was an in-person auction. It was in Peru, Illinois. And here's a picture of the tractor they sold that day, a 2016 model. Magnum 250, like new, only had 121 hours on it, and it went for 155,000 bucks. Now, of course, August of 18, the used uh, equipment market was pretty much in the doldrums, uh, just flat at best, uh, no push. Uh, now, two years later, August of 20, same auction company, Sullivan Auctioneers, had an online auction and they sold a 16 model Magnum 250 that came from Huntington, Indiana. Again, super low hours, 496 hours, and that went for 130. Now, August of 20, that was a few months before commodity prices took off, fall of 20, and went skyward. And boy, since then, auction prices on good used equipment have just, you know, shot to the moon and haven't looked back. Now, again, the importance of timing. On a February 18th, 2023 farm auction in Papillon, Nebraska by my friends at SRAM Auction. Tom and the crew there do a great job. They sold this 2016 model Case H Magnum 250, 1,929 hours on it, but it sold for 194,250 bucks. So again, the importance of timing. And the takeaway message here, when other folks are pulling back, that is the time to be aggressive, folks you can unlock untold value being aggressive when no one else feels like buying. Farmers and ranchers are some of the ultimate nature lovers. And that's why we know you'll appreciate some of these spectacular images captured out in the wild and in the country. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed, from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com.
this sometimes challenging world, time spent in nature can often refresh the soul, and a picture from nature can often say a thousand words about the beauty all around us. National Geographic crowning 2022's best of the best, such as this look at a branching California marshland, peaks at Mother Nature at her most serene and most extreme, and revealing looks at both human and animal civilizations, and where they impressively intersect. But the overall grand prize winner was an incredible mid-flight moment capturing a group of majestic bald eagles seemingly jockeying for prime perch position near an Alaskan shoreline. You can view the full suite of finalists and other submissions by visiting natgeo.com forward slash photo contest winner. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great week on the Farm Country.